And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. In February, almost a year ago now, I had open heart surgery. And uh, then in uh, June, I had cataract surgery. And then in September, I had hernia surgery. That's from picking up two gazillion suitcases in my life. And, uh, but I want you to know that I've been refurbished and I'm ready for the next 20 years now. And so we're, uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Amen. And so, uh, but you be praying for us in these trips, uh, as pastor just said, uh, jet lag and those kind of things still has a little bit of effect, but God's blessed us. We've got a wonderful school in Cuba. We've got this school in India. I've been praying. Uh, they've been begging me to start another school. We train about 35 pastors. India is a big country. And so uh, we're praying for God to help us uh, to start another school. I've been praying for about 35 people that would give us $30 a month for two years. And if we can raise that, we're going to start another school, another two-year school training pastors. And uh, if the Lord speaks to you to do that, we'd love to have you participate and share with us in that. But I'm glad to be with you today. And I feel like the Lord's given me a word. Hallelujah. I'm ready to preach. So turn in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 16. It's a familiar portion of scripture to us. Matthew chapter 16, and I want to read verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this house. Thank you, God, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask today, God, come, Holy Spirit. Accomplish in us, Lord, what you desire. Lord, I thank you today, Lord, that I am giving you my words and my life and everything that I am, and I pray to give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. We honor you, and we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. My message this morning, and it may flow into uh, tonight as well, but I want to talk to you about a church of the kingdom, a church of the kingdom. The church is not the kingdom. The church is part of the kingdom. The kingdom is bitter, bigger than the church. The kingdom of God extends into every situation. How many of you know that Jesus is not only Lord and Savior, he is king? And not only is he king, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so the reality is, is the Bible teaches us in Psalms that the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. God is not just the God of Sunday. God is the God of every day. God is the God of Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He's the God of everything. And so the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. And I believe the Lord wants us to understand but the, that the church is part of the conduit of the kingdom, helping people to understand that Jesus is the king of everything that we see, everything that we do, everything that we touch, every part of our family, every situation and every circumstance, Jesus is the king of all of those things. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I believe that 
When we talk about the church, we need to understand that it is proving out what God wants to do and show in his kingdom. Whatever we speak on earth has been done in heaven. Whatever we, it says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So I believe the church is something that God has ordained. We are part of a glorious group of people that the Lord said that he's building. Aren't you glad the Lord is building you? He's building you, he's building you, he's building us into what he wants us to be. The church is God's plan A, (laughs) hallelujah. It's his plan A. It's what he intends to operate through to accomplish his mission in the world. I'm glad that the church is still triumphant, alive, and well. There's a lot of people who have dismissed the church, but I declare to you the church is still God's plan A. And the church is still accomplishing the mission of God throughout all of the world. While we're sitting here today, there's probably about 286,000 people around the world that are accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and King of their life. That's wonderful news. Hallelujah. I believe that there's more people that's been saved in the last 10 years than in the previous 2,000 years. God is up to something. Hallelujah. And the Lord is working by his spirit. Jesus himself, when he was on earth, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is not just the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It's the good news. It's the good news is the establishment in the, of his kingdom in the hearts of men. From birth to death, the declaration of his kingship was made. But the problem with kings is that kings have kingdoms. (laughs) You know, the real issue a lot of times with people in the body of Christ is that we don't understand that Jesus is king and you're not. Uh, uh, Let me say that over here. (laughs) Jesus is king and you're not. Jesus rules and reigns in every situation and every circumstance. So the kingdom of Christ is as great as God. It's as infinite as eternity, as vast as space. And yet we can miss it. Jesus uh, told uh, in the scripture, he said, you must be born again. Why? So that you can see the kingdom. Being born again is to help you to be able to see into eternity. To be able to see into all that God is doing. How many of you know that all that God has is not what you can see with your physical eyes? There's a lot more that's going on around us that we don't understand or see with just our physical eyes. But when we're born again, we enter into his kingdom, but if we're not careful, we can still miss it. So the king of, kingdom of God is his domain. It's his rule and reign. I believe the kingdom of God is his will instead of ours. It's his order instead of our chaos. His righteousness instead of our wickedness. It's his peace instead of our anxiety. It's his joy instead of our sorrow. It's his faith instead of our doubt. It's his health instead of our sickness. It's his provision instead of our poverty. It's his blessing instead of our curses. And it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so God wants us to enter in to all that he has for us to receive these things. I believe we need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what I want to share with you today is what God's been burning in my heart, that I believe that there's some characteristics 
of a kingdom-driven church. We need to understand a lot of times we get into a mentality that this is all there is and what we see again with just our physical eyes and our little world. But there's a lot of things going on around the world that's operating in the kingdom of God and we need to see those things. And I believe to do that, there's some things that need to be a priority in every one of our lives. First of all, I believe that if we're gonna be a kingdom-driven church, we need to be a church that worships the Lord. Revelation 4.11 says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I believe we were created to worship. We were created to magnify the Lord, to exalt him forever. The Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of man is to worship God and to enjoy him forever. You know, I'm glad that we have people like Wes as a worship leader, but I'm gonna tell you something. We as the people of God shouldn't need a worship leader. We should be people who just worship God because he's worthy to be worshiped. We shouldn't have to have somebody that pushes us and prods us into the presence of God. We need to be a people who desire his presence. There's a song that was written years ago that says, I'm desperate for you. How long has it been since you've been desperate for God? How long has it been since you've cried out to God and said, God, I love you more than life itself. I love you more than anything that I can see or touch or taste. I want to worship you, God, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that I have is yours, oh God. Without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I will fail. But through you, I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, give us worshipers. God, give us people who are hungry for God. I've had a few times in my life, Pastor, where I've been in meetings where I thought I was coming to preach and to share something. But before I could ever get there, people were already down at the altar worshiping and praising God 30 minutes, an hour before the service began. They weren't waiting for somebody to lead them into the presence. They said, get out of the way. I'm going into the presence of God. I'm gonna move in, press in to what God has for me. God give us a people who are hungry for God, a desire to know him. There was another song that says, oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my heart, I want to know you. How many of you wanna know him? We need to be a people of his presence. We need to be a people who press into God and say, God, I want more of you than I've ever had before. You know, I've been doing this preaching thing for 45 years, but I'm going to tell you something, church. I'm more hungry for God today than I've ever been in my life. I desire him. I just spent a week fasting and praying and seeking the Lord in a place away from my home, away from my family, because I want to know him. I want to touch him. I need something that I can't get from any other place except his presence. I need his presence. We are not here to entertain the flesh. We are here to crucify the flesh. The real need of people is not to feel good about themselves. It amazes me that we live in a place today where even the church is bought into a mentality of just come so that you can feel good about yourself. 
Listen, the Bible said, when you read the Psalms, he says, I am undone. I, I am in need. I'm a person that needs something more than I've had in my life. I need you, O oh Lord, to complete me. I believe that should be the cry of our heart. I don't feel like we need to just feel good about ourselves. What we truly need is an encounter with God and his word that leaves us completely undone, ready to be converted to Christ and his righteousness and the power of his resurrection. My mama wrote a scripture in a Bible that she gave me and it's become a life verse for me. Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, I believe that when we worship God, it gets, makes us into a place that we can say the life that I now live is a life that is completely dedicated to the service of the kingdom of God. The life that I now live is something that I do not to please myself, not to fulfill the desires of my flesh, but to do what God wants me to do. I believe that should be the desire of our heart. Do any of you remember when you gave everything to God? Do you remember a time in your life that you felt so undone and you said, God, here am I. Use me, oh God. My life is not my own. I've been bought with the price, with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that should be the desire in our heart. There's a fact today that the spiritual values of our age have infiltrated the church. We've allowed the church to become a reflection of society rather than a change agent in society. I'm gonna say that again. We are not here to be a reflection of society. We are here to be a change agent in society. We are here to let the world know that our God reigns, hallelujah. That God is alive and powerful and strong and mighty and that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that we would ask or think. <laughs> I don't buy into the mentality that the church has to look like the world to touch the world. I think we need to look like God so that we can touch the world that we can look like what God has called us to be, a people who are righteous and holy and set apart for the purposes and the plans of God. Worship is literally bowing down. It's a recognition of the awesomeness of God. It's bowing our hearts, it's bowing our lives, it's bowing ourselves before God. It's a recognition again of who he is and that we bow ourselves to his every wish and his every desire. Our desire should be to please him who has chosen us to be a soldier, to follow after him with every fiber that is in us. Worship will bring the manifested presence of God in our midst. Let me tell you something what I've learned in these 45 years. People that come to the house of God want an encounter, not a ritual. They're not interested in hearing the same old message that they heard last week or go through the same motions. What they want is an encounter with a holy God. They want to know that there's something beyond themselves. They want to know that there's something more than what they've experienced in their own life. You know, let me tell you something. One of the things that I've been praying for, T.D. <laughs> Jakes used to say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. 
Let me tell you something, what I've been praying for for this day and tonight and the rest of this week with Brother Samson, I've been praying for the cloud of glory to come into this house. I've been praying for his cloud to come into a place that there would be a time that we couldn't even stand because of the presence of God. That we would take off our shoes because we're on holy ground. Now that's not something we can make happen, but we can certainly give place to his presence. Come, Holy Spirit, do in this place what you desire to do. Show up and show out, hallelujah. I believe that God wants to reveal his presence. We see in the scripture so many times, it wasn't just going through emotion. It was the presence of God that saturated the moment that all of a sudden people began to fall on their face before a holy God. That's been what I've been praying for for the last several weeks for these meetings is that there would be such an encounter with God that we would be undone in his presence. You know, because of growing up in this church, let me tell you, I remember a lot of times being down at an altar when I was crying so hard that I couldn't even see that the, the tears were flowing. And it wasn't just tears. It was an emotion of saying, God, I must have you because without you, I'm going to die. Without you, I'm not going to be able to fulfill what you've put in my heart. God, I need you. I believe that should be something that flows in and through us and out of us and becomes everything that we seek from the presence of God. I believe it's impossible to worship God and to stay discouraged. I believe that worship gives us victory over our enemies. Hallelujah. I believe that when we worship God, I believe if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Greater is he that is in me. How do I know he's in me? Because I've been in his presence. Because I've worshiped him. Because the Lord is with me. And I know that God will fulfill what he said he would do. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But I'll be with you always to the end of the world. You know the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat was going out against the enemy and he set the praisers out in front of them and they began to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they began to magnify the Lord. And when they began to magnify the Lord, the enemy fled and ran and God gave them the victory without ever having to throw a spear or hold a sword. He gave them the victory through praise and worship. When I was praying, I believe the Lord gave me a prophetic word for this house today. The valley of battles became the valley of blessings. The place that you have warfare is the place that God wants you to inhabit and reign over. I'm going to say that again for you. The valley of battles became the valley of blessings. And the place that you have warfare is the place that God wants you to inhabit and reign over. Oh, hallelujah. Any of y'all receive that today? The place where you're having the greatest battle, 
God wants you to know that it's not going to stay a battle forever, but it's going to become a place of blessings. And it's going to play, be a place where while the enemy meant it for evil, God's going to turn it for good. And he's going to let you to inhabit that place and to reign over it and to be everything that God wants you to be. Not out there but in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the difficulty. You don't have to go somewhere else to receive the victory. The victory is yours, hallelujah. The victory belongs to you. I believe that God has given you the victory, amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So God wants us, he wants us to worship him. He wants us to magnify him. I believe the second thing that the Lord has for us if we're going to be a church of the kingdom, I believe we need to be a church that loves one another. Oh my. Why are there so many scriptures in the Bible about unity? Well, it's my humble opinion. It's because God knew that we would have so much trouble in this area. We love God we just don't love each other. <laughs> I love you, Lord. It's your people. <laughs> Those people. Those people. <laughs> They're the ones I got trouble with, God. I love you. <laughs> God, if I could just serve you in my little house. You know, not only do we have trouble getting along with others, we have trouble sometimes getting along with ourselves. Some of y'all probably heard the story years ago about a man that had been on a, a deserted island, his boat had sunk, and he wound up getting on the island. They finally found him years later, and when they found him, he started telling them about what his experiences had been, and he showed them that there were three houses there. He said, they said, well, what are these? He said, well, this is the house I live in. He said, well, what's this place? He said, well, that's he said, that's my church. That's where I worship God. I said, well, what's this other building? He said, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I wished it. Sometimes we just have to say, oh, me. One of the things that I experience when I travel is when I find out how Easily it is for people to be offended. Oh, you know, when you preach and you travel like I do, you just, sometimes you just make people mad. You don't even know why they got mad. You know, you know one lady stopped me one time and she said, I, I'm not coming back to church anymore. I said, why? She said, because of you. I said, what did I do? She said, you know. <laughs> I said, no, I don't know. She said, you know. I said, I don't know. She left. I still don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought everybody loved me, <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> oh. The prayer of Jesus was for us to be one. In John chapter 17, verse 21, he said, Lord, I pray that they'll be one even as you and I are one. God is looking for unity among us. I hate to be the one to tell you, but again, we're not all clones here. We look different. We talk different. We act different. 
Some of us smell different. That's, well, I won't even go there. But we got to learn to love one another. We got to learn to accept one another. I go places and because I, again, because I travel, I'm dealing with a situation right now where some man got a burr under his saddle and he left the church a couple of weeks ago and started another church in another location. And again, thinking that somehow or another that that's going to be bring benefit. That doesn't bring any benefit to the kingdom of God. All that creates is division and strife and problems and hurt and pain. You know, one of the things that would help is if we just learned to say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You say, well, they should ask. You ask first. It'll make you feel better and it'll bring about blessings in your life. I'm telling you, don't let the offenses of this world keep you from who God has for you in your life. Sometimes the very people that can bring the most benefit to your life, sometimes the enemy tries to build a wedge between you and them. End it. I forgive you. I love you. What difference it would make if we experienced that. There's so many hindrances to unity. Jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, stubbornness. Oh, I should have not wrote that. I'm sorry. It's just there. I just, I just said it. Y'all don't know any stubborn people, do you? Don't look at your wife or your husband. Don't you do it. Just pure, I'm from Tallahassee, just pure tea stubborn. That's why. Just unwilling to do what God wants you to do. I'm going to say this and smile. Stop being stubborn. It doesn't please God. It doesn't help you. And it doesn't build the kingdom. Oh. Well, there weren't many amens on that, but that's okay. <laughs> Envy. You know, sometimes the church gets into a place, well, why are they more blessed than I am? Well, there could be a lot of reasons for that. They might be praying more than you. <laughs> they might be giving more in the offering than you. I don't know. <laughs> Don't be envious. You know, I just, I made up my mind a long time ago. Listen, I can't control what everybody else does. What I can control is this one. So I try to do the best I can towards God in every way. I try to love people. I try to give all I can everywhere I can, any way I can. I try to serve him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. Pride. Rebellion, suspicion. Huh. It's not listed as one of the spiritual gifts. <laughs> but I know that there's a bunch of people in the church has got it. The gift of suspicion. Well, I think, well, that was your first problem. You thought. gift of suspicion and cynicism. When did we become cynics? 
When did we start getting into a church and saying, I wonder what the preacher meant by that? Probably what he said. <laughs> if, if he's like most preachers I know, and me included, I mean, we're just up here trying to do, again, everything that we can do to build the kingdom of God. And a lot of people give me a lot more credit than I deserve. They say, well, he was probably thinking about that and doing, you know. No. I ain't got time to think about all that stuff. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to help us to be what God wants us to be. Let's quit being cynics and start being people who say, I'm going to love the Lord and I'm going to love his church. And I'm going to be what God's called me to be and do what God's called me to do. There's a spirit of divorce in the church. I don't know where it came from, but just like in families today, there's people today say, well, after 30 years, well, I don't love them anymore. How does that happen? How do you not love somebody after 30 years? I don't understand that. You fall out of love? Give me a break. There's no reason for that. There's no place in the word of God for that. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. Love is something that we choose to do out of our hearts. I choose to love my wife. I choose to love my children. I choose to love the people of God. But there's a spirit of divorce in the church. The enemy wants us to be divided. Judgmentalism and intolerance is keeping the church from our destiny. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 9, that he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. God help us that we're not a people who hate one another, but we're a people who love one another. I, I'm gonna splish splash. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. One of the words that God's been putting in my heart a lot lately is that one, there's not really a whole lot of confession to God about our sin. We act like he doesn't know. I got news for you. He knows everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> there's nothing hid. He knows it. So, you, so playing games does not accomplish anything. But if we confess, there's something that the Word of God teaches us. There's something about confession that changes things. It's not that God doesn't know it, it's that we acknowledge it. If we're, oh, help me, Lord. If we're going to have an encounter let me get personal. If you're going to have, I'm already having one right now. <laughs> if you're going to have an encounter with a holy God this week, it starts with repentance. You can't play games with God. Somewhere, and listen, I'm not telling you that you need to tell everybody in the house. It's not their business. But I am telling you that if I understand the scripture correctly, if we're going to receive the total forgiveness from God that we desire, we need to confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, but then we need to take that to a place and confess our sin. 
And then the wonderful passage that he is faithful and just to forgive our sin. Before this service is over, I'm going to give you an opportunity to confess your sin. To say, God, this is some stuff in my life. You already know it, but I'm going to, you don't have to say it again out loud where everybody can hear it, but you need to speak it in your mind, in your heart to the Lord and say, God, this is, this is some stuff in my life. I need to get it straight. And can I just tell you that probably the most of us in this room have at least a little something. I mean, y'all are good people. I can see that. But it's just my opinion that there's probably just a little bit of not good in some of us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. If we're going to have an encounter with the holy God, there's got to be something in our life that moves us to a place of forgiveness and say, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. David went on to say, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Did you know that I learned as I see people in the church so many times, there's a lot of us that one time had a great experience with God, but we're not where we used to be and we're not where we want to be. But the way to get back to that place is through repentance. Not playing games with God, but saying, God, forgive me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you would like to have one more time that experience with God that you've had before in your life where you felt undone and you felt like God, it, it, was, it was like God was right here with you. I want to have that touch of his presence in my life. Hallelujah. The third thing that I believe that we need if we're going to be a church of the kingdom is a church filled with the Holy Spirit. From the beginning to the end of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is involved. He's mentioned more than 90 times in the Old Testament with at least 18 different titles. In the New Testament, he's mentioned more than 260 times with 39 different names and titles. Only 2nd and 3rd John have no reference to the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's not an influence. He's not an it. A lot of believers consider the Spirit an impersonal influence, a power, or an energy. But he is the third person of the Godhead. It's contrary to Scripture to believe that he's an it. It will hinder worship and prayer reverence. It will hinder relationship. You can't have a relationship with an it. You have a relationship with a him, the Holy Spirit of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. He's revealed to us as a person. He's referred to with personal pronouns. He's spoken of as having personal qualities 
In Romans 8, 27, he has a mind. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, he has a will. In Romans 8, 26 through 27, he has emotions. He has personal titles, comforter, advocate. He performs personal acts. He works. He searches. He speaks. He testifies, bears witness, teaches, instructs, reproves, prays, makes intercession, leads, guides, convicts, and imparts spiritual gifts. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us in our life. He's the Spirit of God. He's divine that He is eternal. According to Psalms 139, He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. In Luke 135, He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, He's omniscient. He knows everything. In Genesis chapter 1, He was involved in creation. I believe that he has a ministry to us today that we desperately need in the church. We need the power of his spirit. He empowers us to be witnesses, not just do witnesses. It said that you shall receive power. And after that, you will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. I believe the Holy Spirit helps us to do what God has called us to do and share the love of God and the ministry of God in every place that we go. I believe the Holy Spirit guides us. There's two main things that I want to share with you this morning about the Holy Spirit. One, I want to tell you that He leads us. The Bible says in John 16 and verse 13 that He guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit Leads us. The Bible tells us that we're either led by the flesh or we're led by the Spirit. The Bible says to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. We need to be a people who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. It's easy to operate in the flesh when God wants us to operate by His Spirit. So I believe the Lord wants us to move by His Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. I believe that God will speak to us. I believe that as I prayed at the beginning that we pray, God, give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. That's what it says in Revelation. I believe that we need to hear the voice of the spirit of God. I believe that if we listen to the Holy Spirit, he will direct us and help us to get where we need to go. One of the issues today is that we claim to be a church filled with the spirit of God. And yet a lot of people in the body of Christ are not led by the Spirit. We think somehow or another that that's weird. We think that somehow or another that it's going to be really odd. It's so spooky if we are led by the Spirit. But the truth is, is I believe we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets us apart. The signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit that calls people to cry out, God is with you. Can I just tell you today, we should not be afraid of the supernatural. Don't be afraid of the supernatural. We are people of faith, not fear. <laughs> See, a lot of people in the church today are afraid of losing control. <laughs> I'm afraid of us having too much control. I believe that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some fear emotions. A lot of church, we get into a realm where we're, well, I don't want to be emotional. Why not? <laughs> I believe that emotions are essential for life. A lot of people are afraid 
the things are going to be out of order. Charles Spurgeon once said, revival is a season of glorious disorder. I like that. Revival is a season of glorious disorder. The only thing <laughs> that we should be afraid of is us having too much control and God not having enough control. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do in our lives what you want to do. Be to us what you want to be. That should be the desire of our heart. So I believe we should be led by the Spirit. I was thinking about my life and just thinking about how the Spirit of the Lord has led me. When I was, some of y'all know some of this, but I just was praying about that this week about the Holy Spirit leading me. When I was 15 years old, here at Evangelist Assembly of God, Pastor Wiley T. Davis asked me to be the leader of the youth group. The most spiritual thing we had ever done was play Bible tic-tac-toe. <laughs> and I started coming in and just sharing some word and all of a sudden the youth group began to grow and we grew to, we had seven when I started and we grew to 15 and we grew to 25 and we grew to 50 and we grew to 75 and we started other things and God was moving by His Spirit. And things were happening and kids were getting touched by the power of God. And then the Lord spoke to me. I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to go into full-time ministry. I was going to Florida State and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to start, I want you to quit school and start traveling. So on June the 30th, 1974, I quit school and quit my job and started traveling on July the 1st. I drove over to Ormond Beach, Florida and did a youth group for the weekend. Boy, that first six months was tough. I thought I was gonna die. I didn't think anybody, there wasn't no offerings. There wasn't, everything was going downhill. And then all of a sudden, an opportunity came. <laughs> the opportunity came through a, a singing family. They, all, they were looking for a piano-playing preacher. Here I am. And so I tried out. And I must have done good because they hired me. And so I, they picked me up. They came to our home and picked me up in a Silver Eagle bus. I thought, oh, my Lord, I'm 19 years old and I've already reached the top of the ladder. I'm as high as you can go. I'm going with a singing family to preach the gospel. How much better can it get? We traveled to a church to preach and minister, and I was scheduled to alternate with their son. He was to preach one night, I was to preach the next night. The night that he preached, the whole family was like, woo, hallelujah. The night that I preached, they were like, So the next week we were in Baymanette, Alabama, near where I live now. And I walked up to the dad. It was mom, dad, two sons and a daughter that were traveling. I walked up to the dad. I said, listen, I don't think this is working out very good. He said, no, it's not, son. And reached in his pocket and gave me a Greyhound bus ticket home. I said, two weeks. I've already reached the bottom. <laughs> two weeks before I'm at the top, I'm at the bottom. 
I didn't know what I was going to do. And then the Holy Spirit led me to be a part of Teen Challenge in Pensacola, Florida. And I moved to Pensacola, and for almost two years, I traveled all over the southeast showing David Wilkerson films. And when I left Teen Challenge after two years, I was booked for two years. And I traveled all over the country preaching revivals and ministering in so many different places. And one thing led to another, and the Holy Spirit was leading me. And 45 years later, I'm still doing it. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I'm telling you, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I was, uh, Brother Wes Weekly, who was pastor here for years and then wound up traveling and ministering as a missionary evangelist. Uh, in 1984, I was going to a, a conference in Springfield, Missouri, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're about to go on a mission trip with Wes Weekly. It was very definite. And I didn't see Brother Weekly. And at the end of the meeting, everybody's leaving the building. But I held on to the word that I felt like the Lord had spoken to me. And I was standing in literally almost an empty building. There was just a few people cleaning up. And I was standing there and I said, Lord... I said, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And all of a sudden, Wes Weekly walked through the door. He said, I've been looking for you. He said, I want you to go with me to Thailand and to Hong Kong and to Korea on a mission trip. I said, I'm in. I'm ready. So I signed up and went on the trip. And while we were there, Brother Weekly came to me and said, Brother Ron said, said, the, the, the travel agency down here is having a, a See America Pass sale. Said so for $400, you can go to 12 cities in the United States. I said, wow, <clears throat> that's pretty awesome. So I went down to the travel agency and I thought it was just, you buy a ticket and you could pick where you wanted to go when you got ready. No, you can't do that. You got to tell them where you want to go. And the dates. I went back to my hotel room and I spent the afternoon praying and I went back down to the agency. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and that the Holy Spirit was leading me. And so I wrote down 12 cities I had never preached in before in my life and wrote down dates that I could go to those cities. And I went down and bought the Sea America Pass at Joy Travel Agency in Hong Kong. Side note, I was cleaning up a box of stuff and in the bottom of the box, I found the paper that I had written on in that hotel room where I wrote down those cities and I found the pass. I found all the information about from the travel agency where I'd bought the pass just about six or eight months ago. And so I bought that and I came back to the United States and I waited. And one day I received a phone call and it was from a pastor in one of these cities that I'd never preached for before. And he said, Ron, I got your name from another pastor. He said, we'd like to have you come preach. He said, do you have any open dates? And I looked down at my paper where I had written down the date for that city. I said, well, how about this date? He said, that's perfect. 10 of the 12 cities that I wrote, I went to and preached at. The two of them I missed, or they missed. 
I choose to think they missed. But 10 out of 12 ain't bad. And the Lord opened up doors for me. And out of that led me to South Carolina where I pastored for 10 years. It was all a journey of doing what God wants you to do. God wants us to be led by his spirit. When I was at the church in South Carolina, I came home from a meeting and at our church and I was getting ready for bed and it was pretty late. And so I was preparing myself to go to bed and just as I laid down in the bed, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, there's a group of people that are having a meeting about wanting to get rid of you as the pastor. Well, that wasn't very exciting to hear. He said, I want you to go over there and see them. So I started getting dressed again and Sharon roused up and woke up and saw, she said, are you, are you leaving? I said, yeah, the Holy Spirit just told me to go see some people. And so I drove across town and I got to this house and sure enough, there were several cars. Now this is midnight. There were several cars in the driveway and I walked up to the door and I knocked on the door and one of the men came and boy, was he surprised to see me. <laughs> he said, what are you doing here, pastor? I said, the Holy Spirit told me to come. I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, it changed the whole atmosphere. <laughs> it changed the whole situation and circumstances. And all of a sudden, they didn't want to get rid of me anymore because the Lord had made a difference. You know, church, the Lord, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Let me tell you one more quick story. Then I want to say something about being led by the Spirit too. A pastor friend of mine was telling this story and it was pretty powerful. He said years ago he was at a youth conference and he was sharing the word of God and just as he stood up there, he looked out there and the Holy Spirit pointed out a young lady in the audience and said, I want you to stop your service and I want you to go talk to her. And he said, Lord, he said, I'm the preacher. I'm up here about to preach. You know, I, can't I do that after the service? And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to do it right now. And he wanted to argue with the Lord for a little bit, but he began, he said, okay, Holy Spirit, I'll do what you told me to do. So he, there were like 1,500 people there and he stopped the meeting and he walked out to this young lady who had her head bowed. And he said, lady, young lady, he said, the Lord gave me a word for you. And he took out a $20 bill and he said, what's the value of this $20 bill? And she said, $20. And then he did, something I've seen a little bit before, but he rolled up the $20 bill and crumbled it up in his hand and then pulled it back out again. He said, now what's the value of it? She said, $20. And he took the $20 and took it on the floor and mashed it and put his foot on it and got it all dirty and pulled it back up again. He said, well, what's the value of it now? And she said, well, it's still worth $20. He said, the Lord wants me to tell you something. And he took out a pen and he wrote on the $20 bill, value, worth, and dignity. And he gave it to this young lady and he says, God wants you to know that no matter what's happened to you, 
that your value and your worth and your dignity are still what God gave them to be for you. It does not matter what's happened around you. This is what you are to God. And he went back up and started preaching again. 15, 20 years later, somewhere in that vicinity, he's up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he's speaking at a pastor's conference. And as he's speaking at the pastor's conference, he, this really nice, dressed, elegant lady walks up to him. And she sums up to him and says, I saw that you were speaking here and said, I just had to come see you. She said, do you recognize me? He said, no, I don't recognize you. And she reached in her purse and she pulled out that $20 bill. And she said, I'm now the head of pediatrics. I'm a doctor. And I'm in charge of the pediatric department in one of the largest hospitals in this area. She said, it's all because you obeyed the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. When you obey the Holy Spirit, you can't ever go wrong. God will lead you where he wants you to be and do what he wants you to do. Now I want to close this morning with this last thing. There's a lot of things that we could talk about the Holy Spirit, but the one thing the Lord has been putting in my heart is one of his names. Jesus said to us, he said, I must go away, but I'm going to leave one with you. He is the paraclete. He is the comforter. And I feel again that the word of the Lord for this house today is I want to tell you something. I've known this my whole life. I've been preaching for 45 years, but God has stirred it in my heart again. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is here today to help you. I never really thought about asking the Holy Spirit. I mean, I would ask God to help me and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I understand that they're connected. But the name of the Holy Spirit is Helper. And so one of the things that God has stirred in my heart for this week is that I believe that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Be very intentional. Holy Spirit, I need your help. In these areas of my life, I need your help with my finances. I need your help, Lord, with family issues. Lord, I need your help with my marriage. I need you to help me with my kids. I need you to help me in the situations and circumstances that we're going through. There's a lot of things happening in our family. Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me with my infirmities, my sicknesses. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me with the struggles that are in my life. I need your help. I need your help with the sorrow that I'm going through. I'm going through so much pain because of a death or because of a parent or because of a problem in my life and I deal only with sorrows, hurts. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to forgive that person that did me wrong, that hurt me. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to overcome the sin in my life that is trying to keep me back from the purposes and the plans and the destiny of God. Holy Spirit, help me. In all of my life, the Lord's stirring to me, and if I've ever had a word, I believe again, this is a word, I believe today 
today at the beginning, there's two things primarily that I feel like the Lord wants us to do. Confess our sin. And number two, ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say something to you. I believe today if you will ask the Holy Spirit to help you, we are going to see miracles today, tonight, through this week, through this year. Because I believe that not only are we having an encounter of the Holy Spirit these few days, I believe this is a year of the Holy Spirit. And I'm believing that we're going to see some revival that we saw in the 60s and 70s and 80s again. I believe we're going to see the wind of the Holy Spirit blow through the house and the cloud of glory come and walk in a place that God has us to walk on holy ground. <laughs> holy Spirit, help me. In just a moment, we're going to pray. Pastor's going to come. And then we're going to ask and give you an opportunity to confess your sin, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.